everyone. Welcome back to another episode of On the Pitch presented by Deep Dive Sports. I'm your host, Dom, and this week I'm joined by Zach, and Chase is making a return to the episode today. Hola. <laughs> good to be back. Good to be back. It is. It's always As good. always, good to have you guys back. So it's been a pretty wild ride since our last episode. Um, we've had some interesting FA Cup fixtures. Uh, Barcelona looks like they're remembering how to play football. Derby County might survive somehow survive relegation and man united are horrible as always and we love to see it so (laughs) getting things started let's talk about barcelona for a little bit they were (laughs) down and out they were looking pretty uh in shambles and suddenly they're in the top four they're they brought in a wow i can't talk hold on they brought in fran torres um first from city and they brought in Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. I can never pronounce his name properly, so I apologize to him. Uh, they brought him in on a free transfer. Are things looking up? Can they qualify for the Champions League? Or hell, can they even win uh, La Liga this year? We'll start with Jason. Uh, obviously, you know the notorious Barca fan over here, but the notorious. I would like to mention that you didn't even bring up the return of Danny Alves on the transfers there, but. And Adama Traore, also a return, who was complete and utter dog water when he played for us the first time around. But Well, that was the first time. He's <laughs> improved quite a bit since uh, since his last stint. Um, He's added like 200 pounds of muscle since then, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. I think he was only 19 when he played with us. So, But yeah, um, I mean, Barcelona is looking good. I was, I was talking to Zach watching the uh, Atletico Madrid game the other day, and... I told, I told him as I was watching, it was generally the first time I've actually enjoyed watching Barcelona in a very long time. And I don't know if that plays a part in all the transfers and the excitement and Xavi's football finally starting to kick in, or if Atletico Madrid has just been in such a poor run of form that it made Barcelona look like Barcelona. But, I mean, you can't take away what Barcelona has been doing. I mean, you take away, they're knocked out of every cup feasible except for the Europa League right now they just lost the Super Cup right. to Real Madrid they lost the Copa del Rey to Atletico Cub. so but other than that in league when Xavi took over they were in ninth place bouncing back and forth between ninth tenth and eighth so to, to make the comeback back to fourth which I was always like I mean it's Barcelona there's really only four or five clubs in that league that can really maintain a high level position. I was never really worried about them getting back into a champions league spot. I thought it was going to be a very difficult road, but it turns out it might be a little easier than I thought. Um, I think they're looking great. I think they can hold on to this. I don't think they're going to get anywhere close to Real Madrid. I don't think anybody is. Um, but I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm excited to watch them. I think Adama is historically one of the players that I've always made fun of at Wolves. <laughs> I think I think his first game at Barcelona, I think he did phenomenal. I Ferran Torres has been good. Um I like the style of football. I like the way they're playing right now. I'm I don't know how far they'll get into the Europa League, especially with their first draw being against Napoli. I think that could be pretty tough. They've been mm-hmm. struggling in the cup matches, like I've said. So I don't know. I'm excited. I think they'll definitely be in Champions League next year. I think they'll finish probably third. Um, but Viva La Barca. Yeah, and I think the key is 
a return to a style of football, because I think that was the biggest okay. knock on Coleman is that there that didn't exist. It was no creativity. There was no effort. There was no desire. And now we're seeing, I mean, against Atletico, we saw they dominated possession. Well, dominated. They had like 57%, but they were, they were winning possession. They were doing a lot of short passing, a lot of creative short passing. They were getting different players into positions to score. It's not just lob it into Braithwaite and hope he can score a goal for the first time in his life. It was like, let's get everyone involved. Let's play football. And so the fact that that's happening again, super, super encouraging. Uh, the yes. signings make a lot of sense to me. I said last week that Adama has the potential to be the best football player in the world. He also has the potential to be the worst. And I think a coach like Xavi can bring out the, the positives in him. Um, so, yeah, I think the way the table looks now, very confident for top four. I mean, I think it's just going to be both Madrid's Barca and Sevilla at the end. I don't think Real Betis keeps their spot up there. It's no offense, but so I think that will be normal. But the one thing I will say when I, when we talk about revival of Barca, the sad thing is that we're talking about, oh, they're going to get back into top four this year. When realistically, when we're talking about a revival, they should be semifinal of the Champions League every year competing mm -hmm. for the league until the very last day of play. And I think we are several years away from that. I think if they play a best of 10 against Madrid right now with current rosters and current coaches, Madrid wins seven of those easy. And yeah. I think adding Mbappe in the summer is only going to kind of <laughs> make that issue a little more prevalent. So yeah. yes, positive, but not return to the Barca that we're used to. Let me let me add on to that real quick. Um, I mean, you're 100% right. And I think the thing is that we're never, at least with with Ansu's, with Fadi's injury problems, with mm -hmm. problems that we've had, just keeping our developing players and not selling them because we've been in so much debt. Um, it, it, even, even if it takes, I mean, it's going to take a long time to get to a, a standard that Barcelona has withheld, but we're never, I genuinely don't think at least in the next couple of decades, we're going to see the Barcelona that was dominant in Europe, in La Liga, yeah. just mm. consistently because they, they're just the last couple of years has just been a slow decline selling the La Mesa players. I mean, it's just, ne it's never going to be the Barcelona that we're used to, but it can be, a Barcelona that's at least tough to compete against. And, and on the other side of that, Real Madrid, like you mentioned, was kind of on a, a slow decline when they were bouncing back and forth with Zidane and what was going on with him. But, I mean, they seem to just have figured it out. And especially, especially like you said, and you've said this to me before, and I don't know if you've ever said it on, on the podcast, but players want to play for the teams that have the history and the badge like Real Madrid and Barcelona, even if they're in poor yep. form. And yep, and for some reason, could be how bad a poor form Barcelona has been <laughs> in, but Real Madrid has been getting a lot more attraction to those players than Barcelona has been. And Barcelona's never been really known as the by the big player to add to the squad kind of club, but we and we don't really have the money to do that. Neither does Madrid, to be fair. But there's there's been a lot more attraction of those big players to Real Madrid than there has been to Barca, especially over the last recent years. So. It's well, be, and I will say, when really it comes tough run. when it comes to those big player signings, I think the 
there's no way of knowing what the pressure of the spotlight of two of the two of the four or five biggest clubs in the entire world is going to do to someone. Because if you had told me Griezmann not going to be worth the money, I wouldn't have believed you. He was outstanding. He was just an incredible player, but he couldn't do it at Barca. Dembele, I watched him dominate at Dortmund and it just it never happened so I think they just had a few too many of those where they spent way too much money and it just didn't pan out at all yeah I one thing to add on to that I do like how this team is structured for the future like you said it's not going to be a couple years till we're at the Barca that we're used to seeing but I do like the players that they brought in they're building around their young players that they brought up from the youth system and they're bringing in young players um, on transfer that I think are going to help them down the road. I, I'm really liking the potential of this team four or five years from now. I think they can compete for another champions league. Is that, is that fair? Do you, do you guys think that fits, fits your timetable? I think for me, depending, and, and it could be, I mean, I'm not going to say, that I don't think it could happen next year. But when you look at there's there's been a lot of clubs that have been not as shambolic as Barcelona has been. But when you look at the turnaround from I'll just use Chelsea as an example from under Frank to under Thomas. I mean, that was that was 10th place Chelsea to Euro, European champions in six months. I mean, that was I mean, that was just a complete turnaround. We were dominating everything. I thought mm-hmm. we were going to win a quadruple. We didn't, but <laughs> I, I mean, it's, 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 it's there. And Barca still has the quality to do that. They have, I would like to think that Xavi has the quality to do that as the manager. I think it's possible realistically with how, how much is going on above the club and the debt and everything like that. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I, I genuinely, I wouldn't be shocked if it happens next year where they're, up there competing in the semifinals of the Champions League and maybe get knocked out in the second leg that they always do. But or there's, I mean, there's no away goals now, so maybe they won't. I don't know, but who knows? <laughs> but moving on to the next topic, the FA Cup. I think it might be the best domestic tournament in all of football, but mm-hmm. it was an absolutely incredible weekend. It had some shocking games. What did, what did you guys take away from it? Um, is there any any scores that really stand out to you? Or I mean, my general takeaway from all the games is just, this is why football's beautiful. I mean, you get these scrappy teams that mm-hmm. obviously, this is the fixture that they had marked on their calendar. This is going to be their game for the year. This is their biggest exposure to potential sponsors. This is their biggest game on television. And they give it their all. And they're very aware of their strengths. I mean, a lot of these games, the ones that beat top tier teams are the ones that came close to doing it. They did it by being scrappy. They took their one or two chances a game and they just did their best to throw the bodies in front of the goal. And I love when that pays off. So this was one of the best rounds of the FA Cup I've ever watched. Well, you, yeah, can't forget, you can't forget that they literally threw their entire body at the ball. Crossed it in. Definitely not a handball. No. <laughs> to be fair, to, to be absolutely completely 100 percent fair. I, I don't know what they were looking. I don't know what they look for anymore in a handball, but when you it looks like in a still frame, it hits his hand. 
But if you watch it as it's moving, you can't really see a direction change in the ball. So I don't know if they were kind of like, maybe it didn't really touch his hand, but I mean, I'm pretty 90% sure it touched his hand. I Oh, yeah. Moving on from the, uh, obviously, everybody's going to be like, yeah, Manchester United getting knocked it out. And talking about that, that was a full squad. Mm-hmm. Manchester United, no injuries. This is what we got. Losing Love to a championship it. side. Love to see it. I mean, I don't even know what to say about that, but I mean, I watched a lot. I, I watch a lot of English football, whether it's championship, whether it's the FA Cup, whether it's the Cabarro Cup, whether it's Premier League. So I, I watched most of these games and I genuinely think the most fun for me to watch was the Kidder Minster versus the West Ham game, even though I'm a <laughs> Chelsea fan and almost lost to Plymouth. But I'm, I mean, that's that that game was just amazing. <laughs> I watched. I mean, I don't even know if I'm saying their club correctly, and I apologize. But, I mean, they got an early goal, and they parked that bus for 90 minutes and got, I, I, I mean, they got a little outplayed, obviously, but they got a little unlucky as well because in the, mm-hmm. like, I think there was only two minutes of added time to the end of that game. And in the 91st minute, Declan Rice scores an equalizer, and they go to extra time. That I mean, if they would have pulled that off, I mean, that's like a sixth or seventh league team in the English side. I, I was invested. I was, yeah, I was invested. It was like a whole movie. I was just watching a bus just sit there and I was enjoying <laughs> every second of it. I was a full on Kidderminster fan during that game. I was yeah. going so hard for him. <laughs> I think the, the game that really stuck out to me was Nottingham Forest uh, knocking out Leicester 4-1. And absolutely shocking what's going on with uh, with Leicester right now. Um, I've been seeing a lot of talks about Brendan Rodgers potentially being out um, in the not-so-near future, um, or not-so-distant future. Yeah, pretty soon he might be gone. <laughs> yeah, but that's – I mean – I mean, you look at where they sit right now. I, I don't even know where they sit off the top of my head in the table, but I, want I mean, they're they're twelfth in the they're twelfth in the table, and every year they've been consistently that team that's just. I mean, they they have such a history of being that fighter and that team, and they obviously they mm-hmm. won in. I, I can't even remember. Was it thirteen fourteen? Uh, I think it was fifteen sixteen. 15, 16, they won the Premier League. They were consistently fighting for the European spots, never quite got there. But And then just the random fall-off. Because last year, didn't they finish fifth or sixth place? They weren't. I mean, mm-hmm. last year was really close when it came yes. to the European spots. It was it was only a point between the, the top, like, three or four teams there. So, um, yeah. And, and, then, and then to sit here in, in 12th place, get knocked out from a championships squad, I, I mean – I don't know what's going on over there, but that's definitely one of the more interesting results. And especially, sorry, you, but you brought up Brendan Rogers and I've always respected him a lot. I mean, this is a man that at Liverpool, if Steven Gerrard knew how to stand on his two feet, this man would have a (laughs) premier league title, but so, yeah, I'm not, I've been trying to figure out what exactly is going on over there because the player quality is there. We know that the supporters are just as adamant as they were in 2015, 16, we know that these are players that will give it their all. So I haven't quite been able to put my finger on what's happening there yet. Yeah. And it, it's not like this was a close result either. I mean, they lost four one. <laughs> it was kind of embarrassing. I mean, it's, it's Nottingham Forest. I mean, what are they in 
Well, I'm going to look it up right now. I don't even know what league they're in. Are they in the? They're in the, they the championship. In the championship? They're in the championship. Still, yep, they are lose. sixth place. You can't lose four one. A, a team of Leicester's quality should not be losing four one to a championship team. Credit to to Nottingham Forest. They played an amazing game, but I mean they're they're not anywhere near the Premier League level. But I will say, the biggest underdog that is still in the FA Cup that is shocking me the most is still Norwich. Not sure how they made it this far because they're worse than all of these League One and League Two sides. But here they are. Yeah, they're still and, kicking, and they beat Wolves. <laughs> they yeah. did. They beat Wolves. They beat wolves. <laughs> and you know they're not. E- they're not even last in the in the Premier League table anymore. They're they're up to 18th. We could be talking about the Norwich City revival next week, for all we know. Yeah, <laughs> well, we I could, don't know yeah. how much I can add to that. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, well. Talking about a revival, what's going on at Derby County is pretty pretty amazing. Um, for those that don't know, they had a massive points reduction with some, uh, I guess, off the field, off the pitch issues. Um, it was what a, a twelve point uh, point reduction. It was something. Hand, hand, it, hand it over. Like hand it over. You're talking about the biggest yeah, Derby County fan All right. in <laughs> the entire United States of America here. Okay, right, we'll, we'll we'll pass it off to our resident Chelsea slash Derby County fan. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, to be fair, I really only started watching Derby County when Rain Rooney started managing my favorite person of all time. But so a little bit of backstory. Basically, what had happened was Derby County had run into some financial issues. They went bankrupt, didn't really tell anybody. And the administration was like, all right, we'll deduct you nine points. And a little further down the line, they were like, some still some more issues, more financial issues. And they had, they were had to file for bankruptcy legitimately. And they were like, all right, well, we're going to deduct you points because that's not something that a club can do basically. <laughs> and they were like, they were deducted 21 points in total. <laughs> uh, I think it was, I think we were only like 10 or 11 games into the season when this had happened, they were literally at the bottom of the table with negative three points at one point after all of the negative after all the point deductions. And right now they're sitting at 18 points, only realistically only two or three wins away from securing their spot in the championship next year. I I, I mean, the, the, and the fact that, I mean, Wayne Rooney could have left that club just completely and just been like, because they didn't, Derby County did not even tell Wayne Rooney that, like, we're going through all these financial issues, we're going bankrupt, we have no money, nothing. They didn't tell him anything. He could have just walked away. He's like, nah, I'm going to stick with this. And he brought them back from negative three points, mm-hmm. bottom of the table, to 18 points, not even bottom of the table anymore, and has a yeah. serious, legit chance of staying in the championship next year. And I mean, I'm and, looking and at I, the oh, – I, I mean, not all – not to not to bring this into the Premier League, but they're they're one point behind Everton right now. One point <laughs> behind Everton, <laughs> and they don't even have Delhi Ali. They they don't even have Delhi Ali. Derby County. Name me one Derby County player right now. Either of you, one of them. Yeah, I got nothing. Is Wayne Rooney a player? Exactly. <laughs> it's all Wayne Rooney. He's a player manager. He's everything. He's, he's doing it all. <laughs> I mean, I think it really shows 
the quality of a manager the, the Wayne Rooney is um, to be mm-hmm. able to one stick with the team. It shows how loyal he is to the club. Um, but to bring them back from where they were to where they are now, I think in a couple of years, I would not be surprised if he's in a Premier League club managing because he's just done an amazing job. I mean, I'm looking at the table now. They're two points behind Petersboro and they're three or four points behind Reading. Both of those clubs have not won a game in their last five matches. So realistically, they could be sitting as high as 21 in a week or two. It's <laughs> absolutely amazing. And, and it's it's just one of the stories that you love to see. I mean, I looked it up earlier today because I was curious. And I mean, this is a club that was founded in 1884. Like this is it was one of the like founding members of the initial football league, the first one mm-hmm. in, in Britain. So it's like, this is, this is a club that means a lot. And to see them fight back against the incompetence of their board and their ownership on the pitch and actually just almost, ah, I don't know. I don't want to jinx it, but I really do think they are going to stay up. And like you yeah. said, I think it it is a huge credit to Wayne Rooney. I think he's probably eventually once he has done his job here and kept them up, look for a premier league job. Um, I'm sure he would want man United. Um, They've had some unfortunate experiences with ex players managing the club recently. So I don't know if that's going to happen anytime soon, but I absolutely think that. And if you've, you know, if you've watched his playing career, it makes sense that he was going to be the kind of player that would also make a good manager because always had a vision for the entire game always 100% dedicated himself to the badge, gave his all in every single game. So I'm glad that that translated into management. And yeah, it's just a really cool story. And I hope they stay up. Yeah. And I tell you what, I'm most happy for the fans because, you know, with these these smaller clubs, I mean, I'm not saying that Derby is a a small club, but relatively when looking at some of the clubs in the Premier League, they're, they're a pretty small club. And you know, these small clubs, they're everything to their community and their fan base. So seeing all the all the problems that they've had earlier in the season to have all the success that they're having now and potentially staying up, I'm, I'm pretty happy for the fans. And it's definitely good to see. Yeah, it's fantastic. And if you, if you look at their record, and I would construe it a little different because when things first started coming out that – they were filing for bankruptcy. I think they lost like three or four matches in a row. And <laughs> I, I mean, that would be to be to be understand understood really is, you know, there's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of, you know, just funk in the dressing room at that point. There's not really a whole lot of drive. Wayne Rooney really yeah. had to get him back into it. But right now with the record, they have nine wins, 12 draws and nine losses. If you took away the point deduction, they would be 14th in the table. 20 points clear, basically, of relegation. I, I mean, it's just, it's just actually, it's, it's, I mean, it's fantastic. <laughs> That's all I can really say about it. And I yeah. would, like, like you were saying, Dom, I would genuinely be shocked. I would genuinely be shocked if he didn't end up, I really thought he was going to take the Everton job, to be fair. Mm-hmm. I, would, I would be shocked if later down his line, he's not managing, I mean, maybe even Liverpool. I don't know, but. Well, he's not going to manage Liverpool. I can tell nah, you he's going to do it. He can do it. <laughs> but I don't know. I could see him staying because he seems like the kind of person that likes a challenge. And everything that he's gone through with Derby so far, 
I I wouldn't be surprised if he stayed and, and saw this out and tries to get them into the Premier League at some point. And then maybe move on once he, you know, gets him to the Premier League. But I don't know. I, I could see him staying. That would I would love to see that. If he stuck if yeah. he stayed there for two or three more years and worked that club all the way back into the Premier League, I mean that would just be that would well, probably be the greatest thing I've ever seen. No, he did have he did have the mental strength to play for DC United. So compared to that, this is actually pretty easy. Yeah. Well, he was DC United when he played for him. Yeah. He was, yeah. <laughs> he was, he was scoring everything. half pitched goals for them. <laughs> it wasn't even. Uh, uh, and we, we can make a whole episode about how bad the MLS is, but. Or we could, we could make a episode. whole episode about Wayne Rooney. <laughs> we could. We could. Or we can close out this episode by talking about how bad Man United is at this point. Because, wow, do I love to see it. <laughs> Losing in the FA Cup, getting knocked out in shocking fashion. It seemed like they kind of stabled the ship, getting rid of uh, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And now it seems like they're back to being good old Man United. Uh, what, do you, what do you guys think? Okay, I mean, so the first thing I have to say, because it this is the only aspect of this that breaks my heart. Cristiano Ronaldo, you're I'm sure you're listening. You are one of the greatest of all time. <laughs> I don't think any of this is your fault. And I yeah. hope that this will not taint your legacy. Oh, but yeah, they're in complete shambles. I mean, I don't understand how you are one of the clubs with the supporters, not in the Premier League world. You have some of the some of the highest supporter numbers. You have money. You know you're struggling. You go into a transfer window. You get rid of a few attacking options, and you sign absolutely no one. And obviously, one of the attacking options that departed, that's not their fault. They did the right decision there. But other than that, you understood the fact that you were not converting chances. You were barely creating any. And now they've limited themselves to Essentially, no bench. I'm sorry, Juan Mata, if you're listening, you're. I think you had your time, but you're limiting yourself to you have no one you can bring in off the bench. You are not creating chances. Harry Maguire is just a traffic cone, and I don't understand the philosophy from the board other than the fact that, well, we hit our shirt sale target when we signed Ronaldo, so we don't need to win anything because we have money and screw it. If we don't get top four, we don't get top four. The sad thing is Tottenham and Arsenal are so bad that they might still make top four, but they, sh- they don't deserve it. I'll say that they do not deserve it. I don't know why you decided to kill Juan Mata like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know he did nothing to deserve that to be fair. <laughs> I think, I think my, Oh, <laughs> um, <coughs> Uh, I think my favorite part about Manchester United right now is that they understand that Fred is not the end-all be-all of their midfield. And they came out before the transfer window opened and they were like, we need a couple of midfielders. We need Zakaria. We need, I can't remember who all they came out with, but they were heavily rumored to be actively searching for these people. And then after the transfer window closed, they were like, ah, we weren't really that interested. And um, I don't I don't know how many people or how many people even in this podcast listen to Mark Goldbridge, but uh, <laughs> I mean he came out and made a whole episode basically about how the board was supposedly targeting these people 
to come in and hold the midfield, create more chances, give them more, you know, more space and more options to attack. And when they came out and were basically like, man, we weren't really that interested anyway. I mean, that's just a big slap in the face, not only to the club that you are running, but to every single Manchester United fan that was like, oh, they realize it's a problem. They're going to do something about it. And maybe we can pick up the second half of this season and actually clinch fourth or third place in the Premier League and do something in the Champions League this season. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. They did the exact opposite. And they came out and were like, ah, we weren't planning on doing anything anyway. It was all a ruse. <laughs> and that's my well, and favorite I, part. Of that. I, I think I they think planned the- on bringing someone in. It's just not many people want to go there right now. Yeah. And I think Zakaria is the perfect example because Zakaria solves your problems. I understand this isn't some big name player that's been pursued and that plays on like a good national team and that everyone wants. But that is a very good holding midfielder. Mm-hmm. He, he will do his job. I mean, he scored on his debut against Juventus that he's not going to score every game, but he's going to hold the midfield. He knows how to distribute. He knows how to track back. He knows how to read the game. And that's the player you want. And I feel like it's correct. One of these two things is true. Either, like you said, no one wants to go there right now because Juventus is in the hunt for, they have a better chance at the Champions League than Man United. Neither of them have a great chance. And they're <laughs> going to get top four in Serie A, obviously. And they that can be a fun project going forward. Man United doesn't look like a fun project at all. Or it's true that they were just throwing names out and didn't want to sign any of them, which is equally as disrespectful to everyone. So regardless yeah. of what's true, that is a terrible way to run a club. It's not really surprising either because that's kind of how the club's been run for the past couple of years. I mean, mm-hmm. you got an ownership that really just cares about shirt sales and, and making money and maybe paying off some of the debt that they used to buy the club. It's definitely not <laughs> renovating Old Trafford and it's not bringing in, you know, solid management. It's let's bring in the biggest name players and see if it can work. But if it doesn't, at least we sell some shirts. Yeah. And I guess when they, when they brought in Ralph Ragnick, I thought maybe that's an indication that they're changing from that mentality because this is someone who's known to kind of implement his own style aggressively and build from the bottom up and really find players that match his philosophy. But then Mm -hmm. in January, like it was public that he said, yeah, Lingard, you can go, please get rid of Lingard. And they're like, "Mm, no, he's, he's staying. And so it's like, you're bringing in people that want to rejuvenate your club and you're just completely blocking them from being able to do what is necessary. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, that really, I, I mean, I genuinely thought as soon as that came out into public that he was like, Lingard's not in my plans. He doesn't work with what I want to do. Mm-hmm. You know, it is what it is. And the fact that, I mean, I understand, you know, the board has complete control of their club, what, whatever. But I mean, a good board lets their manager do what the manager thinks is best for what's on the pitch. And the fact yep. that they wouldn't let him let go of a player that do, for one, doesn't even want to be there for two. He doesn't want to play like it just doesn't it, it doesn't make any sense at all. It, it just seems like the whole club. It, I mean, I understand why a full strength, no injury man United can lose to a championship squad when everything else, even that we don't see 
which has got to just be a million times worse than what we do see, mm. is just like just completely deflating for all the players when they're on the pitch. They have no motivation. You can see it. They're not really like they're not into it. They're kind of like, you know, we're on the pitch. We're getting we're going to do what we can do. We can see if we can score an easy goal here. I mean, that's what it seems like they're playing for. And I mean, I, I understand it, like, but it's just like, I mean, it's yeah. literally theoretically one of the biggest clubs in the world. And it's just, it's yeah. just money. I, yeah. I, I think, um, I don't remember what year, but one of their sides just got voted as the greatest Premier League side of all time, unless I'm mistaken. Uh, I'll even look that I, I, yeah, I think it was the 2007 squad. Yeah, so I mean, this is, and the sad thing is, it could still pay off this year, because I think, I mean, I'm this is recency bias, because I'm not over that Tottenham game, but it doesn't look like Tottenham plans on challenging for top four this year. Uh, Arsenal sold their striker and brought in absolutely nothing. So they might still get top four this year. But what are we looking at for the future? We know Newcastle, we can say with their recent results and their players, they're clear of relegation. They have a blank check. They're going to be challenging for top spots starting the next year or two. I've been super impressed with Aston Villa. That Coutinho signing worked out great. They're going to be challenging yep. next year. Everton, I think, is invested in a good manager, invested in some good players, could start challenging. And I think Tottenham and Arsenal are going to be better next year than they are this year. So if Man United cons their way in the top four this year, they can say, oh, our strategy worked. But after that, you're not playing Champions League football. You're losing your top players. No one wants to play for you. Super short-sighted strategy from them. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of hard if you're one of the players to be motivated when you don't know who your manager is going to be. Because they they brought in Ragnick as an interim manager, the, he's de- definitely not their long term plans. Mm-hmm. They just got rid of Solskjaer. No one knows who they're going to sign. No one's linked to to the job at all. We don't even know who United's interested in. We don't know who's interested in, in United. And you got a board that doesn't really care about the players, as you know we talked about with the Lingard situation. So I mean, it's, yeah, you know. I, I mean, I I can't remember the exact specifics of. Ragnar's contract, but it was like a year and six months or something, and then he moves up the board or something. So yeah, it's, he moves it's, into the board. So it's it's like it's basically like okay, well, he's going to come in, redesign the whole team, play the way he wants to play, and then but we already know that there's a hundred percent guarantee that somebody else is going to come in and change all that. So why are we right. even going to listen to what he wants to say right now? Because it's not going to be the same in a year. Right. Yeah. I, that that mentality is just kind of like I, I mean I understand wanting to have someone like that a little higher up in your club, but like talking about Ragnick, but I mean for your players and on the pitch and the results and obviously they don't care about them anymore. It seems like, but it's just like it, it just it it does it doesn't make any sense at all to just continually be like, well, we'll sign a six month contract for a manager. Because then your players are like, well, we have nothing long-term to develop here. And right. it shows. Right. It shows hard. It does. Especially when you bring in a short-term manager with such a clearly defined and such an all-or-nothing strategy. Like Ragnit's whole gig-pressing thing of we only pass forward. If we lose possession, everyone presses. 
know how much coordination that takes? You know how much effort that takes for a club that has cultivated divas, even in their prime, Man United always had a couple of divas playing for them. And now it's <laughs> now those divas just have zero talent. Sorry, Fred, but <laughs> Juan Mata is great. But regardless, <laughs> yeah, I think you can't just pivot from Ollie Ball, which was we're just really happy, positive people to Ragnik, which is we're super tactical. We're clinical. We press on everything. Everyone has just full stamina. Everyone's just going at it. And then I'm assuming in the summer, this is my prediction. They bring in Pochettino, which is why I don't think anything's going to change. Cause I, I respect him as a manager, but I think for this job with the board hamstringing every manager, he's not going to be able to do anything. That's just, yeah, yeah it's not going to happen. It's basically the PSG job. Exactly. I, I, I mean, I'd rather be a PSG. Yeah. I mean, they've already told Potts that his time is up with the club after the season mm-hmm. or something like that. And I mean, for me, PSG has, and it's been talked about a lot, has way too much talent on the pitch. And they've already, and Potts just came out and said he kind of feels like a babysitter where, you know, Mbappe, <laughs> Neymar, and Messi are kind of just like, you know, this is what we're going to do. This is how the team is run. And, you know, it's our team because we're Neymar, Mbappe, and Messi. And then you're going to go over to Manchester United and Ronaldo's going to be like, you need to get rid of this guy, this guy, this guy. And the board's going to be like, you need to keep this guy, this guy, this guy. You need to get rid of this guy. And Potts is just going to be in the exact same situation. He's not going to be able to implement anything that he wants to implement. And then he's going to be gone within six months to a year. And it's just going to continue down the loop unless something drastically changes with their board. I'm not even a fan of them, but they need to get rid of their entire entire board to even yeah. consider a rebuild at this point. I mean, that's what Barcelona had to do. Yeah, I, I think it all goes back to ownership. I mean, the, the Glazers have been pretty controversial. You've seen numerous fan protests um, in the last year and a half or so. Um, you know, the buck kind of stops with them. They're, they're the ones mm-hmm. that are probably a little bit too involved with the day-to-day operations. And being from the U.S. and not really knowing anything about football, they probably shouldn't be as involved as they are. But <laughs> I, I think that the number one thing to, to fix Man United is get new ownership. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't know of anyone that's going to buy the club. I mean, the road back is going to be long. It's going to be absolute hell. They are 21 points behind their city rival in first place. And oh, if- yeah, I would have, no one would have dreamt of saying that sentence 10 years ago, five years ago. That is insane. And yeah, I I mean, like you said, the fans have to be completely hopeless at this point because there's no indication of it changing anytime soon. I think they're already on their longest trophy drought in a very long time. They're, yeah, I'll go as far as to say that they are five to 10 years away from challenging for a premier league they might be in the top four race for the next five to ten years but i don't think they're in a genuine title race for another you know what i'll i'll go bold i'll say 10 years they don't win it in 10 years and that's terrible if you're supporting a club that is supposed to be the biggest that is supposed to always be sacrificing everything for success on the pitch and now they've gone from sacrificing everything to success in the bank account yeah yeah i i I agree i don't see them contending for a long time you've seen how much they've fallen in the past, you know, the past decade since they've won it, but more so in the last five years, how much they've fallen. 
and you know they're falling way behind City. They're falling behind Liverpool, Chelsea. I don't I don't see them making up any ground because those clubs are only going to keep getting better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and in five years, Derby County will be up there. Wayne Rooney will be managing them, and they'll be right up <laughs> yeah. the top floor knocking them down. So, do you think? Darby County has a better shot of winning the Prem in the next 10 years. <laughs> oh, that's a, that's a good that, question. I, I say that kind of, <laughs> kind of jokingly, but the way as, that a, as, a, going, as a fake Derby County fan, I'm going to say yes. <laughs> <laughs> as a realistic human being, I'm going to say no, but <laughs> the fact that we're asking that speaks volumes. <laughs> yeah. E- even jokingly. Yes. That's a yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that pretty much wraps up uh, everything that I have planned for the episode. Um, I want to thank you guys again for coming on as always. Chase, it's good to have you back. Thank you. It's good to be back. I'm happy. Always. But thank you guys for listening. And as always, we are Deep Dive Sports. Hey, everyone. Thank you for listening to another episode of On the Pitch. Make sure to follow On the Pitch Podcast DDS on Instagram. Also, don't forget to follow deep.dive.sports on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And listen to any of our shows wherever you get your podcasts. Catch you in the next one.